And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week, in fact, in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Can it be a great week when the economy is cratering the way that it is? And people apparently, according to a variety of polls, just seem to be at a point of a record-breaking despair about the direction of the economy in the United States. And this is combined, of course, with a uh, war at home, uh, the war about uh, abortion, which uh, has broken out with ferocity, some actual demonstrations, not just demonstrations, but vandalism and attacks and threats on some of the justices rallies at their homes. And uh, a, a great deal of, of viciousness. Uh, is this appropriate? Is this going to work? Is it going to lead to basically intimidating our judges, our political system? Are we uh, going to be seeing another explosion of uh, violent protests like we did after the uh, killing of uh, George Floyd? Is that what's coming? Is that a good thing for the country? Is that uh, a necessary and appropriate response? Speaking about necessary and appropriate responses, uh, there's also a, a very, very clear message from a former justice of the Supreme Court in Washington State about our broken mental health system. Why is this directly relevant? Because it is directly tied more closely than anything else to the encampments that you see on streets and sidewalks and the great proliferation of homeless populations everywhere. We'll be speaking to former justice, former state senator uh, Phil Talmadge, a liberal Democrat, by the way, who is uh, telling the truth about some of our homeless problem when so many people are obfuscating that truth and trying to avoid it at all costs. And speaking of distorting the truth, uh, President Putin delivered his uh, Victory Day speech. This uh, celebrates a victory 77 years ago of Russia over Nazi Germany. And then uh, the man who uh, Putin seems to suggest is the biggest Nazi in the world, a Jewish guy named Vladimir Zelensky, he gives his own speech in response, and President Biden may at any moment, and we'll try to break in on him if he's saying something important, will be giving uh, another statement about uh, further aid and quicker aid to Ukraine in a very decisive seesaw part of the battle in Donbass. It is uh, extraordinary what is going on and what we are living through right now and it's honestly hard to to take it too seriously because it is so profoundly serious and so profoundly dramatic okay first of all just some words on breaking news about the hysteria regarding the draft decision and we still haven't seen the final wording of the decision of the Supreme Court we still don't even know if it is going to be the final decision of the Supreme Court, is it going to be, by the way, a vote of uh, five to four? My guess is it will not. My guess is that it will be a vote of six to three. 
that partially because of the hysteria on the other side, the hysteria on the pro-abortion uh, side, people who believe that it is a human right that should not only be guaranteed by the government, but funded by the government. Because that is one of the issues that is going to be coming up, even in those states where there's a clear majority in favor of pro-choice, uh, that there probably is going to be an attempt to make sure that there is also pro-money in terms of funding for, funding for and paying for other people's abortions. But there was a story that reported this way in Politico. Politico reported the story about the uh, decision, Justice Alito's decision first, and that was the original source for everything that we're hearing about. But uh, Politico writes this, conservative media outlets are reporting, quote, rumors around D.C., unquote, that Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito and his family had to seek shelter at an undisclosed location following Politico's publishing of a draft opinion on abortion rights that he wrote. We caught up with a source of those reports whose information is suspect at best. Okay, so hold on. You probably have heard in various places, oh, Samuel Alito, Alito and family have been forced to vacate their homes. It wasn't their homes, ironically, that were targeted by demonstrators. The demonstrators went to the homes of uh, Brett Kavanaugh and of John Roberts, the Chief Justice. And that's ironic because, at least from everything we hear so far, uh, John Roberts has been preparing to vote with a minority, to vote in favor of leaving Roe v. Wade on the record as the law of the land. Now, I think he will probably, by the time that this is finally ready, and they have reached agreement and reached the final wording on the decision, my guess is that uh, the Chief Justice will vote with the majority. But we will see. The fact that they went to his house to call him names and to say miserable things to him, the fact that they have actually firebombed through a Molotov cocktail into a pro-life organization in Madison, Wisconsin, the fact that they have vandalized churches and this is only the beginning. This is the first weekend. In any event, the idea that Justice Alito uh, and his family had to seek shelter at an undisclosed location, it may not be true. It may not be true. And uh, the report seems to be fueled by comments from conservative lawyer and author Ilya Shapiro, very good guy, by the way, who said on a Saturday Fox News program that he had heard, quote, that Justice Alito has been taken to an undisclosed location with his family. Shapiro told Politico today that he was unsure whether that was in fact true. I don't have any non-public sources, he said. I forget whether I saw the rumor on Twitter or somebody told me. I don't know. Now, if that's your only source, the chances are it's probably not true. But there's terrible enough stuff going on, and uh, some of that stuff, well, listen to what the demonstrators sounded like outside the home of Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, this is clip five.
Okay, we will not go back. How about go away? Uh, I mean, which would really be more appropriate. There's a, a blistering editorial, and it's so appropriate. Uh, the uh, In the National Review, Rich Lowry writes, Do we really want to get into an escalating contest of who can better intimidate the other side's judges and office holders? If the leaker of the Alito opinion wanted to initiate an unprecedented pressure campaign against the justices who might vote to overturn Roe, its mission accomplished. And what about the uh, next steps for the pro-life movement, which appears to have... You don't even... Before this, the pro-life movement had won a great many battles. It had won battles not on a legalistic basis, but in terms of changing people's minds. And the most important battle of all, the number of abortions in America, whatever you may have heard, the truth is they have gone down and down and down. The pro-life movement has been winning in saving lives and lives of more and more of the pre-born. So the hysteria right now it is, is bizarre. More details about that and some of their messages to church-going Christians in particular. We will get to that and more coming up on the MedVet Show. weekend, uh, writes Rich Lowry, uh, protesters showed up at the homes of justices. What a great way to spend Mother's Day. Uh, targeting Brett Kavanaugh and ignorantly, given that he's evidently not part of a prospective majority, targeting John Roberts as well. This is a shameful further step down for our political culture, which wasn't particularly elevated to begin with writes uh, Rich Lowry at National Review. It is a deeply illiberal act that adds an element of menace to the deliberations of a body that is supposed to be above the fray and not subject to physical threats. If we continue down this path of perdition, writes the editor of National Review, it will tear at our status as a nation of laws and further derange our public life with consequences no one can predict. It's up to all the people of goodwill to condemn these demonstrations, yet the White House pointedly refused to discourage them in a shocking betrayal of its duty to good order and lawlessness. These weren't run-of-the-mill protests. No one doubts that demonstrations have an important role in showing popular support for or passion around a given cause. I doubt it. I always have. I uh, know these protests were and were meant to be threatening. All right. If if any of you disagree with that, give us a call, 1-800-955-1776. Or if you are somebody, and there may be people listening out there who participated in one of these demonstrations all around the country. I'm not talking about... Uh, confessing if you're one of the people who firebombed that uh, pro-life office in, in Wisconsin. And uh, 
wrote on the uh, uh, side of the uh, building that was hit, uh, wrote a uh, message that said that uh, if abortion isn't safe, then you won't be either. A um, spray-painted threat? Well, of course it's a spray-painted threat. If there's anybody who's participated in that kind of showing public demonstration, public expression of opinion, then give us a call, 1-800-955-1776. I'm not so for me to berate you. I don't need to do that. But to try to let people understand who at the very best can be perplexed by what's going on. The uh, story, vandals targeted the headquarters of a Wisconsin pro-life group yesterday on Sunday. They set a fire in the office and marked the building with graffiti that said, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. Police uh, said they are working with federal officials in the Madison Fire Department to investigate the fire at Wisconsin Family Actions, Madison, Wisconsin office, as an arson. Officials said a Molotov cocktail was thrown inside the building but did not ignite. The uh, incident comes after Politico published a leaked majority draft opinion in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health on last Monday a week ago, which suggested the Supreme Court may be poised to overturn Roe v. Wade, returning the question of abortion to the states. What you're going to see here is a direct threat against us, said uh, Julaine Appling, president of the Lobbying and Advocacy Organization, according to the report. Imagine if somebody had been in the office when this happened. Uh, they would have been hurt. And uh, look, it, it troubling? Of course it's troubling. And it raises the question of where do we go from here? Uh, there's... Um, at least one voice in the media, Laura Jarrett over at CNN, who claims she understands why people are doing what they are doing, why they are demonstrating, for instance, at the homes of Supreme Court of the United States justices. Uh, listen. Protests outside Supreme Court justices' houses, particularly Justice Kavanaugh. Where do you think that line is? I think for a lot of people, the, a conversation about civility feels... Um, like it misses the mark mm. when constitutional rights that you believe that you had for over 50 years are about to be overturned. The justices have security. So far, all of the protests have seemed overwhelmingly nonviolent. Uh, there are plenty of protests that happen every single day in this country, around the country, at abortion clinics, blocking women from getting into clinics. And we don't cover those as if there's four mm -hmm. alarm fires. And so, yes, they're going to be protesting in front of Kavanaugh's house because people are angry. Um, and as long as they stay nonviolent, I think for most, uh, for most of the people who are watching it, you can understand wh where they're coming from. Even if you may think politically it's not the right thing, you can understand sort of wh where that animated feeling is coming from. Where that animated feeling is coming from? I mean, did they have animated feelings on January 6th? Was that just you could understand why people were so upset? Or, I, Look, I, 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 I understand that uh, people are going to say, well, January 6th was all based on a completely fallacious story. And I believe that to be true. I, I don't think that there was any reason at all not a scrap of a reason to believe that the election was stolen. It wasn't. 
And here, you can argue back and forth. There are people who believe that, well, this is actually seizing a precious human right. But the argument that this is a precious human right that had been observed in the United States before Roe v. Wade that was well planted, it was part of our tradition of ordered liberty, that basically is the basis in which you can claim that there is a right that isn't specifically mentioned in the Constitution if it's something that has been treated as a right and accepted as a right by most people for a very long time. Abortion isn't like that. There are lots of people who believe that it should be treated that way. There are lots of people on the other side. It is one of those things that has been a tremendously dis divisive issue since long before uh, the current moment. And it became a divisive issue not because people were agitated over abortion or the rate of abortion or the practice of abortion, because frankly, it was one of those things before 1973, before the Supreme Court took it over, it was being worked out in the states. And there were a bunch of states who had given some limited access to abortion. Nobody had come forward with what radicals say they want, which is no limitation at all on the abortion procedure. Uh, there had been actually going all the way back uh, some restrictions on uh, abortions against any baby where there had been quickening, what used to be called quickening, which usually meant a heartbeat, that, that you could tell that there was something alive in there. In any event, that the Governor Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas actually has been speaking some plain common sense on this issue. We will get to uh, what he had to say and uh, what it is, if anything, that you think that the demonstrators are trying to accomplish. Also, the political ramifications. That's a huge question which nobody knows for sure, but we know what Chuck Schumer's plans are. We'll get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. Michael Medved show there's a powerful column that I hope everybody reads because it's uh, it's honestly one of those things that I think looks to the future and sees it more clearly than other people do uh, and your thoughts about the future with the current situation and the divisions about abortion we will get to your calls in just a moment but the column is by Patrick T Brown who's been on the show before He's a, a young scholar at the uh, Center, the Religion and Public Policy Center, Ethics and Public Policy Center, which is a conservative pro-life think tank. And he writes, in the wake of such a victory, the victory that, that would be represented by a Justice Alito's decision, if it does end up with a majority of the votes in the court, which looks extremely likely, but he says, in the wake of such a victory, the movement that describes itself as pro-life and pro-family must encompass a broader vision of policy than just prohibiting access to abortion. Activists who have worked 
to render abortion not just illegal but also unthinkable are tired of having to respond to the shopworn cliche about being pro-life only until the baby is actually born. But a world in which states have the power to restrict abortion is one that compels a greater claim on public resources to support expectant mothers facing crisis pregnancies and to seek to make all parents' lives a little bit easier. Some Republicans who were elected on anti-abortion rhetoric might find themselves politically vulnerable unless they lean into the uh, ongoing political realignment and put themselves on the side of working-class parents. The end of Roe will mean that pro-family rhetoric will need to be backed up with policy proposals that match. We will get to what those might be. Let us go first to uh, New York City and Yehuda. You're on the Michael Medved Show. Hello, Michael. So hey, how are you? I think, good. Two points I want to make, and I hope you're doing well as well. Thank God. Um, January, January 6th did not help the conservative uh, movement. Not Again, a bit. In the same way I'm anti-January 6th, I think these protests are premature, and I think they're Sent out, by, sent out by agitators who are already prepaid and waiting for something. I don't think these are these are you know these uh, abortion you know rights protesters. I think there's a lot a lot deeper meaning here. That's number one, and number two, conservatives need us need to do a better job at explaining you know the pro-life movement. Todd Akin failed at that in 2012 and lost, and so did Richard Murdoch. I'm sure you remember those two senatorial elections. Sure, I knew them both. Yeah. Yeah, Todd Aiken was. You're you're right. He lost the Senate seat in Missouri. But go ahead. Right. So I, again, we need to stop at that. And again, if any, if the conservatives who are quick to defend January 6th, but have a problem with, you know, the the, the protest now, I think is also a double standard. Well, again, so there's, too much, there's too there's too much that that the whole idea of demonstrating at somebody's home. And they started that. They did that. You may remember with Mitch McConnell. I forget what. Uh, they were demonstrating over. I think it was one of the uh, Build Back Better, part of the Build Back Better uh, hysteria when when that existed. But the, the whole idea that a, a person who disagrees with you on a particular issue, that that disagreement makes that person a, a bad person who is worthy of uh, assaulting at home, there, there was, there was this sort of thing actually that occurred during the, uh, um, the, the what we had during the summer, uh, the George Floyd uh, movement. There were people who would go to people's homes and, and uh, basically try to, um, to menace and threaten. And this is, this is the way that things work in. <laughs> young democracies, struggling democracies, or uh, nations that have lost their their democratic credibility. It's the kind of thing you expect in places like Venezuela. I don't know, maybe in the Philippines, where they're in the midst of a very, very crucial and worrisome election. Uh, let us go to, uh, thank you for the call, Yehuda, and you're right. Um, let's go to Sid in Atlanta, Georgia. Sid, you're on the Medved Show. Hey Michael, thank you for uh, taking my call. You bet. Uh, you know, in this in these times when we have um, division, we have the United States of America, and um, 
the last administration was um, divide. They divide the country. Um, COVID came, divided the country. And now you got Supreme Court coming through, dividing the country, basically saying that um, we're leaving everything to the states. Basically, you live in the in this United States of America, but you got to go to another country. When I say another country, I mean states. United States, go to another country to get divorced. Divorce, I'm sorry. <laughs> Abortion, it's not, it's not uniting. But let me also add real quick, uh, Michael, that this um, this new members of the um, Supreme Court, I think, has conspired with the uh, um, um, GOP members in order to keep Obamacare alive, just to um, 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 trick the Democrats in order to kill, in order to form this conspiracy to kill Roe v. Wade. And I think my last statement. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on, hold on for a moment. I'm trying to understand the conspiracy. You're suggesting that they kept Obamacare alive, and what did that have to do with Roe v. Wade? Basically, um, those three newly picked members of the Supreme Court um, sided, most of them sided with Obamacare just to satisfy the Democrats, because that was a big deal for the Republicans also. And in order to to surprise us with this Roe v. Uh, Roe to kill this Roe, Roe v. Wade, basically, and I think okay. that's what the whole thing. Now, um, the reason I think you're wrong about this, Sid, and I say so with all respect, is because there's no surprise here. Uh, for a very very long time, um, from the time that Roe came out. It has had critics on the right and critics on the left because it's it's very dubious law. It's really very hard to look and search and, and try to find some kind of uh, any indication, a hint, or just a scintilla of proof that, that abortion is uh, provided for in the Constitution. And this has been a controversial case forever. It's, it's not a secret. And I, I think that's part of what, what people are angry about is at no time did they try to hide the fact that the Republican Party has been overwhelmingly for more restrictions of abortion. That doesn't mean that every single abortion is banned in every state at every time at every moment that it's completely out. Maybe you think it should be, but that's that's not politically viable there's a there I, see I, I think that what you're saying about dividing the country it's not like this decision has divided the country the country has been divided on the issue of abortion in a unique way and part of what I think is worth thinking about is how quickly we have come to terms with something else that was very controversial uh, redesigning marriage and changing our definition of marriage has uh, was initially a hugely controversial undertaking, but now it's supported by over 70% of Americans, and you have hundreds of thousands of gay couples that exist. This is different. This was always, from the moment that it was uh, the judgment first came down, a very controversial and divisive, and the divisions... Are, I, I agree with you. I think they're very sad, but they're hardly a new thing. Uh, examples of people, protesters gathering outside uh, people's homes 
in uh, September 20th, 2020, protesters gathered outside the home of Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell, calling on him to delay efforts to fill the Supreme Court vacancy created by the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That was it. And there's more. Uh, attacking homes of oh all kinds of people Rand Paul Ted Cruz Josh Hawley uh, we will get to that and why it's such a terrible idea Just talking about a, a brief history with uh, uh, which Jeremy just checked into, and it's fascinating about this recent idea, and it, it, it really is relatively recent, that when you're angry about something politically, the thing to do is to uh, go ahead and march, protest, scream, shout, uh, demand, carry signs, hoot and holler at uh, the home of somebody you disagree with. Uh, August of uh, 2020, and, and again, this is in the midst of the election, a group of angry protesters confronted Senator Rand Paul near the White House as Rand walked through the crowd with his wife. Uh, demonstrators chanted, say her name, in reference to Breonna Taylor, a black woman from Kentucky who was shot dead by police in May. After the incident, Paul tweeted to say that he had been attacked by an angry mob over a hundred. Several climate protesters were arrested for trespassing in front of Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz's Houston home in June of last year. And Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, um, a Republican, saw protesters from shutdown D.C. outside his Virginia residence uh, outside of Washington whom uh, he accused of threatening his wife and their newborn daughter while uh, he was in his state. In other words, he was home uh, touching the grassroots, his wife was in Washington, and she was threatened by people demonstrating. What were they demonstrating about? Who knows? With Josh Hawley, it could be the fact that he wasn't accepting, he was trying to overturn the election. Uh, Senator Joe Manchin was greeted by climate protesters, great, including those from the Sunrise Movement outside of the marina where he docks his houseboat in uh, November 2021 over him not supporting President Biden's multi-trillion dollar reconciliation bill. Uh, Nancy in uh, Duval, Washington, you're on the Michael Medved Show. Yes, I wanted to comment about abortion, and I'm taking issue with you referring to the left as being hysterical. I don't think I'm hysterical. I'm pretty concerned. <clears throat> I think that if this comes down in anywhere the shape that they're saying, there's going to be some draconian laws put forth by some states with extremely restrictive laws, even to the point of restricting people from leaving their states to get an abortion where it is allowed, and I don't understand how that could possibly be legal. No, it, it would not be constitutional. No one is going to find that constitutional. You can't restrict travel from state to state. I mean, I think I think that would be a dismissed. Uh, that would be easy to overturn if anyone tried that. 
trying, and that's what gets people upset is that um, they're making – and, the, I mean, they have passed laws in Texas that mean if I, I let a woman get uh, stay in my house to get an abortion, then somebody in that state could sue me. I mean, that's just insane. Look, I think the Texas I think the Texas like law that. I think I think the Texas law is ridiculous and I don't think it's going to survive constitutional scrutiny. Uh not uh, not all of it, but it's just the the 6 weeks uh and uh, uh, because there are literally millions of women who don't even know if they're pregnant in the first 6 weeks. And you might think it, but maybe you haven't gone into Get, have a checkup yet. So, uh, Nancy, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think that there are some some extremes out there, but part of what is what is going to happen with this abortion issue is there's not one abortion law for the whole country. It is up to the people who elect people to the state legislatures and Again, people are talking about this as if it were a, an attack on democracy. What it really is is an affirmation of democracy because you're sending the issue away from uh, nine individuals to to women and uh, seven men, or is it just three women now? Uh, three women and uh, six men. Uh, and you're sending it back to the voters and the legislators in given states. And it seems to me that, uh, that that's are, – is that what makes you afraid, that you have so little confidence in people? Surely in the state of Washington you understand that there's nothing to be afraid of here No, for you. I, I am like you, uh, live in Washington, so I'm safe, but uh, it's very, very difficult for – some people in some states to get to a state where it's allowed, um, and then the fear which they have imposed by saying they're going to be suing or uh, prosecuting anyone who helps somebody. That's that's only in Texas so far, and uh, and again, do I think that's a good thing? Uh, no, it was a, a what that was was a novel attempt to get around Roe which is no longer necessary. Um, I appreciate your call, Nancy. David in Seattle, you're on the Medved Show. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, as the father of three kids, um, the last time I thought about this, I uh, realized that men are the main reason women uh, become pregnant. And so I would like to see men take a lot more responsibility for this than they seem to be willing to do. So what I'm going to propose is that at age 13, all males would get a visectomy because they are totally reversible. And then they would be allowed to reverse their their visectomy at age 22. And then at 32, they would have to get another visectomy, which would eliminate most of the unwanted who, pregnancies or the need pays, for abortions who, in the country. Who, who pays for all these vasectomies? Well, bisectomy is a lot cheaper than a, it's a. I've had a bisectomy, and it's a relatively pretty easy. Well, I don't know anybody. Could, I mean, it's a it's a pretty relatively inexpensive thing to do. Yeah. Now, now look, I, <laughs> I, I think that this is a provocative idea, but it's it's also uh, 
when when you're talking about having being required to uh, have a surgical procedure, which by the way is not a hundred percent reversible, it's uh, usually reversible. But I actually know people who have had a difficult time reversing vasectomies. That it happens, and uh, by the way, there are uh, in there are religious faiths in which. Uh, Actually, having a vasectomy, even with the idea that it might be and probably is reversible in most cases, where it's prohibited. Uh, so, I think it's a little bit of a problem to to have that surgical procedure required by government. Uh, don't you think the important thing here is that uh, men be made to bear a responsibility for children that they father? Absolutely. I think it's really odd, though, that uh, women are somehow, you know, there's very little birth control for men. There's, I mean, there's no pharmaceutical birth. Well, maybe there is, but I don't really know of any. And somehow women have, I mean, it feels like... Well, it, it, this, of, is, this is nature. I mean, dur during the nine months that you're expecting the baby before the baby arrives in our world... Uh, obviously, it's uh, there are all kinds of restrictions and burdens and difficulties that women face that we don't. Right? You're but, the father of three kids. You, you, I'm sure you were very sympathetic to your wife while she was bearing your children, but uh, you didn't go through what she went through, did you? Uh, no, I. I just think, as as a man, I think men have to take a lot more responsibility for this. And there's, I mean, it's really odd in in this culture that there's no birth control for men. And well, wait, wait. Yeah, you, usually, birth control for men, the most common form of birth control in the country, I think, still is uh, prophylactics. It's uh, uh, what are conveniently, I, you know, what we're talking about, right? Condom. You went. What? Yes, you got it. Condoms, yeah. No, no. but why isn't there like a, a pill, like a birth control pill for men like there is for women? I mean, that well, seems partially incredibly it's, partially, uh, partially it's because, because condoms are so low cost, and, and, and if properly implemented, they can be very effective. But the, the whole idea that um, I, I think you are, the area where you and I can agree is the area of male responsibility. But the area of male responsibility should not just be on not producing babies, it should be on what happens when you do produce babies, where uh, the responsibility is profound. I mean, I've, everybody knows people, I am sure, where there are some women who are called upon to raise children without the help of the parents, the fathers who, uh, participated in creating that child, that's not ideal for this great